This is Cindy, my good friend and mentor, graduated with honors from the University of Connecticut at Storrs, receiving a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree with a major in acting, directing, and playwriting. Cindy is a multi-year recipient of Long Island's Best Psychic. She is the author of multiple books which focus on life, love, and relationships. Cindy has been seen on television and is the regular host of her own radio show on Blog Talk Radio. This is Dr. Gary. He has been in the education field for over 20 years and earned his doctorate from St. John's University. He has spent most of his life motivating students of all ages and achieved mastery as an amazing instructional leader. Dr. Gary has been a personal trainer, teacher, professor, coach, DJ, and a professional wrestler, but he's also a psychic. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 14 of Soul Matters Podcast with Cindy Sansone Breath and me, Dr. Gary. Hey, Cindy, how are you? I am doing great. It's been uh, it's been a few months since we recorded our last podcast, but uh, I'm very excited to do this particular podcast because this is going to be a two-parter uh, where we discuss your new book uh, and a memoir, Confessions of a Reluctant Long Island Psychic. Uh, so we're I'm very excited. I, I read this uh, cover to cover, and I'm I'm really looking forward to kind of going through this and discussing it with you. So, you know, first off, I'd love to ask, like, what was what was your experience like? Uh, you know, writing the book. What what made you? Because I know this was a this was a difficult thing for you to do. Because again, this was we always talk about it in our podcast and how like you're you're a skeptic. You're a skeptic and you're a psychic, and it's something that I do find <laughs> in this particular book that I read that you know it was very exposing. It was very exposing, and it's it really talked a lot about you know, who you were and, you know, you and I have known each other for quite some time now. So, you know, as I was reading it, I, it was nice to see like all of the things that you and I have talked about over all of these years were put on paper. And I know, you know, that it's, it can be very, um, you know, very awkward, very exposing and, and a little bit uncomfortable, I would say. So, you know, what was your, what were your thoughts as you were preparing to, to publish this? Okay, first of all, when I was writing it, and if you're going to do it, I call it a memoir and a psychic seminar. So it's my story, and it's supposedly your story, where you're going to learn from it. Um, When you write a memoir, and I did, I'm an avid researcher, as I point out in the book. So I probably read or listened on Audible to maybe five books on writing memoirs. And the one thing you're told is, don't censor it right away. Like, write it you know, without worrying about who's going to read it, what Aunt Sally's going to say, what, you know, what your cousin's going to say, what anybody's going to say, just write it. You can always censor it later on. And that was sort of some of my plans, like, oh, maybe I'm not going to conclude all this. Maybe I'm going to cut it out. And yet when, you know, push came to shove, spirit kept saying, no, you're not cutting that out. No, you're going to leave that there. No, you're not going to worry about what people are going to say. You're just going to leave it in. So I was pretty, you know, okay about it, except the first two weeks when the book came out, I had really an anxiety attack, which I never have. And I almost wanted to unpublish it. Like I can take this back. And, you know, some of the people who I discussed in the book came through from the other side to tell me, no, we're okay with everything you said. You said it, uh, you know, you said it in a healing way, not to hurt anyone, not to not to air dirty laundry. You know, all of us have been brainwashed. Don't air any dirty laundry. You know, just speaking truth always causes anxiety for anyone. And pretty much the message I hope that comes across and why I left everything in is that no matter what you go through and how painful it is, spirit is always there helping you to heal. Okay. That's the big message. You're not alone. They're there. And in writing it, I hope that comes across. And the most painful aspect about writing a memoir, and I would not recommend that to my worst enemy, okay? Because you have to probe deep. You have to go through the most painful, bloody alleyways of your heart that you maybe wanted to close and never look at again. And, you know, most of the pain that I talk about now is way in the past. To me, it feels like it happened in a past life. That's what happens when you heal your issues. But when you put it on paper and you start talking about it again, 
it's in the present. So that's what was painful for me. Something that I have not looked back on in 25 years or longer now becomes something present. It's like you have this scar that you've just cut open or the scab that you've just picked at. And yeah, it's a little bit painful at first, but now I've pretty much come to peace with it and that what was written needed to be said. And, you know, it's it's hard to write something about your past in any way whatsoever. I agree. You know, and it's, um, again, like I had mentioned, you know, you and I have known each other for quite some time. And I know that you get, um, you know, you have the ability to, you know, get very close with your clients and you know a lot about them. They know a lot about you. So as I'm reading through this, this memoir and, and psychic seminar, you know, it, it almost is like I was having a conversation with you because I, I've known so many things and it was, it was very personal. And I, and I really enjoyed that, that piece of it because it was, it really was, you know, unabated. You, you were able to, to really get a message across. Uh, and, and I really do believe that people who have had similar experiences will be able to relate to this without question. You know, and one of the, um, as you, you know, you open the book in, in, in the introduction, you know, we always talk about this, even in our podcasts about how everyone is, is intuitive. Everyone is, is possesses some form of sixth sense. And I could tell you through reading this, and I even would, I would email you and I would text you or yeah. I would call you and I would say, oh my, you know, oh my gosh, this happened. And as I was reading it, I was thinking it and it, and it manifested. It was the most incredible thing I think I've ever experienced in, in my, um, you know, intuitive journey because I was really just so, I could not wait to turn the page because I was so excited to be getting these types of, you know, this type of clarity, these types of messages during the course of reading this. So I was incredibly impressed with that. And, and again, the, the synchronicity uh, of, of events that we talked about, or you talked about in this book as well, and that I've kind of touched base with you on, on a number of occasions. That's one thing that rang out to me really, really strong uh, in this particular uh, book that you wrote was synchronicity. And we're going to talk probably more about that, not only during this podcast, but our next podcast, which we'll talk about, uh, you know, a little bit later, including the the second half of the discussion of this book. Uh, and, and I think that that whole idea of synchronicity really explains, and you can, you can probably provide a little bit more detail on this, but just that things don't just happen for, uh, you know, out of the <laughs> blue, like there is a reason why things right. are happening. And we, we, more often or not, we believe that it's, oh, you know, that's ironic or, you know, what are the odds or, you know, it's a small world. We use all of those, those idioms <laughs> or those cliches to describe that. But in fact, it's really not, it's not anything but synchronicity and that it was supposed to happen. Uh, and so- me- and that means meaningful coincidences for those people listening who might not know. It. You could say it's a coincidence, but it's really not. It's the divine conspiracy of a heaven and earth to have something that you need brought forth to be shown to you. And it could be just like people have been telling me, messaging me or emailing me about when they're reading the book that they read the part on synchronicity and then, you know, all of a sudden something happens that's so could be a coincidence and it's, and they know it's not. So look, when you when you read any kind of spiritual book, when it's written from truth, you're always going to have experiences that if you read something about telepathy, then then five minutes later, you know, you're going to have someone call you that you just thought about, which is your telepathy, but it's also synchronicity. It happened just at the moment you were thinking about it. So expect when you read the book to have these experiences that will confirm truth. You know, there's something very truthful in the book or something you need to learn. So synchronicity is one of those things, that, and it's a term coined by Carl Jung to mean meaningful coincidences. And it often happens if we're trying to heal a particularly, particular issue, and then we turn on the television and it's dealing with that health issue or whatever issues on our mind, and we'll go, well, that's a coincidence, is it? No, the universe guided you to turn on that television at that exact moment in time. So look for all of those meaningful coincidences every day in your life. It's a confirmation that you're in divine timing. Yeah. And, and I, th- and I do believe that um, it, it happens so often to people and part of, 
you know, even the, you know, we talked, you talked about this in, in the book as well. You know, part of the grieving process is that, you know, especially when you're very well, you know, very much connected to somebody on, on the earth plane and they cross over, you want to still be connected on that, on that spirit plane. And, you know, we, we always talked about that. The relationship never ends. It, it continues. So we look for those signs. And, and I think, um, you know, one of the first things that I, and I really admired about the book as well is just the, the stories. The stories were, were just so amazing. And, you know, there, I laughed out loud on certain stories because it reminded me of things that I've done, but then I've cried on some of the stories because I, it really, I was able to kind of understand what these people were going through. And, you know, just uh, one you know, quick quote where, you know, after this, this person's father had died, he was you know, an avid bird watcher and, you know, he, he always, you know, saw Cardinals and, you know, during one of the readings um, he had mentioned that he would promise to send, you know, her a Cardinal. And then sure enough, you know, she saw the Cardinal and she was so excited and couldn't believe that there was a Cardinal that was sitting on her deck. So, you know, I think like these are the types of things, whether it's, we, you know, we look for coins or we look for birds all of these these signals and symbols are just you know another form of of synchronicity and you know i think people are looking for sometimes they're looking for anything just to to connect on that on that level and i think that's brilliant that you know i don't think i've ever really thought so fully that all signs are synchronistic and i think you just brought that through and and a little bit of synchronicity um i did two readings yesterday um and one was the woman whose father sent her the Cardinals. Oh, look at that. <laughs> so, That's pretty amazing. <laughs> there we go. There is a little bit of synchronicity right there that you should have brought that one up. And I'm sure her dad is with us right now, loving that he's in the book and that he's on our show because he's that kind of a character, you know? Yeah. It's uh, you know, and it. I picked that particular story because that's very, you know, for me, I can remember as a, as a child being home and on, on a, a spring or summer morning, hearing the Cardinals, you know, sing from the backyard. And, you know, my, my dad was, you know, he was a, a bird lover. He was an animal lover. And one of the things that, you know, my mom looks for um, as a sign of synchronicity for my dad is, is a Cardinal. I actually was, was given a, uh, a nice plaque on my wall that it's, you know, basically talks about um, Cardinals and how that's the sign that, you know, my dad would be around, you know, me. So I think that it really spoke to me in, in those, in those respects, because I do believe that that's something that people um, really truly look for because it's, it's, it's really how they heal and they move on from day to day, especially people that are, are really struggling. Um, I remember I point out in the book that your dad does not become a Cardinal. Right. Yes. His, his energy body is down on earth and they can move things, although they're not permitted to float that, that water bottle that you're drinking right now, Gary, across the room, it would scare you, but they can chase a cardinal with their energy body and it can be blocks and blocks away. And it's like running a metaphysical marathon to push that cardinal over to you. And if you don't notice these things after a while, they stop. It's hard right. work. Like right. you're not going to notice them. They're going to stop giving them. And as soon as you start noticing in, then they're all over the place. And I equate it to when you say you've never heard the word synchronicity. Okay. Never. Yeah. You're hearing on our podcast. I guarantee you're going to hear it five times in the next week. And you're going to say, how did I never know that word when I just heard it five times? That's right. That's how the world works. It's like we have to be awake and aware to catch the synchronicities, the signs, the messages. They're everywhere. They're all around. Okay. So that's what the book's supposed to point out. Look for the signs, um, notice them, also acknowledge them like consciously. Don't just quickly, oh yeah, I saw a cardinal and forget about it. Really take a minute to thank the person who might've sent it, to ask if that was the person who sent it so they can give you another sign. But really actively, and that's why in the book, I stress having um, a psychic journal, especially in the beginning of your studies, to write down all the, the signs you're getting, all the synchronicities, so that they really appreciate that spirit, that you recognize it, you give thanks for it, and you acknowledge it. And I think that speaks to making sure that you maintain an open heart, soul, and mind in order to receive those messages and obviously providing providing thanks for it. So I, I, I think that that's great advice. Uh, I do have to say, I, I love the intro. Uh, I do find that, 
you know, you really enlightened the reader as to who you are. And it really set the stage for the rest of the book. So if people did not have never heard of you or this podcast or anything that you've done in the, in the past, I felt that they knew, they knew you now, you know, after reading that intro. So it was really, it really set the stage and I, and I really enjoyed it. And remember like part of who I am is I don't usually speak about myself. It's not, I'm not comfortable about it, but that's part of my upbringing. You don't talk about anything, don't say anything. And when I was writing the book, Spirit kept saying, your clients come here and open their deepest wounds to you. Let you open things that they've forgotten, but they need to remember and they need to heal. And they share everything from their soul. So it's not fair that you're going to only share their soul, but keep yours hidden. So reveal. And I revealed what I needed to reveal as it will help it heal another person or reveal how I became a psychic or what I learned. And even the part about talking about channeling Jesus, you know, some people could put me in a mental hospital for that. The Hicks channeled Abraham, who is this spirit of, of the law of attraction. I mean, there are whole books of people channeling that another person, but I wasn't so comfortable revealing that except when I tried to cut it out, it made no sense. How did I heal? How did I feel guided? Who was guiding me? What was happening to me? So to have cut that out because I'm afraid someone's going to say she's crazy, she channels Jesus, I'm going to leave out a big chunk of what happened. And suddenly it all seemed too simple. Like, okay, if I cut that out, then all, all of a sudden I'm just healing these issues with no big guidance and it's unfair because if anyone's going to heal big issues, they're going to get some sort of heavy duty guidance going on there. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. And and I think that that's in chapter one, you, you speak about how you weren't always like this. Like you, there was clearly, there was, you know, from the, from your early beginnings, you know, you, you know, you, you enjoyed like playing with the Ouija board and the magic eight ball. And, you know, you would always check your daily horoscopes and, and things like that. And, but it didn't happen until you were, you know, 41 years old. And it all of a sudden became something that was very clear to you. And, I, and we've talked about that on many occasions here. And you developed that clear connection with spirit um, pretty much, you know, midlife. Right, exactly. Um, so, you know, and, and I think, you know, you give a lot of, you know, examples in here of, of the things that you were experiencing as, as a child. And one of the things that you wrote in here that I, I really found to be um, – quite funny was, you know, you had mentioned that, you know, after kind of seeing, you know, the world a little bit for what it was, you, you came to think, I'm not surprised we die. I'm more surprised that we live. Uh, and, and it's, it's funny because that's, you know, a lot of people, you know, probably share that. Uh, and you're right, you know, this world is a dangerous place and none of us are getting out of here alive. There must be angels and gods watching over us. Otherwise we wouldn't survive a minute on earth. And I think that, you know, we just talked about it before we went on the air, especially during this pandemic. You know, there there has been an influx of people who have really just really have reached long and hard and high for faith and and even for spiritual guidance because, you know, this there was a lot of doom and gloom over this past, you know, year and a half, Absolutely. two years. So I think that, you know, it's something that really uh, it, it really spoke, uh, really spoke to me as well. So. Um, and it, and and I was such a young child when I came to realize that too, you know, that really you can spend your life terrified or you could believe there is somebody or something watching over you, you know, and, and that really, and remember when you're very, very young, the first few years of life, you always have, you know, someone near you, everybody's watching you, but as you get a little bit older, you're on your own a lot. And, right. you know, in order to be courageous enough for like a five-year-old to go off by themselves to do something, you have to believe there's somebody there watching you in case you do something stupid or, you know, so you don't get hurt. And that's an amazing realization. And I think we need to all go back to that. Yes, be careful, be cautious, dot your eyes, maintain your papers, do what you're supposed to be doing, and then let go and let God at that point. That's all you can do. Otherwise, right. you're just going to, you know, you're not, you're afraid to get out the door. And right. we have to get out there in the world. And that, you know, you had mentioned also too, probably about halfway through the chapter, uh, you know, we, you, you had discussed about always making sure that your clients are, 
you know, when they speak to you, that they're telling you the truth uh, because a lot of, a lot of the, you know, the guidance that you give, you know, obviously coming from spirit, you know, you want these people to be able to receive and really you, and you would be able to interpret the messages correctly. So if they're not telling you the full and open and honest truth, it's really not going to provide them with the, the guidance that they're looking for. And, and I think that that, that is again, something that, you know, also was a, um, was a pattern and a theme during the course of, of this first, this first chapter. Uh, another thing that we've also talked about uh, again, at, at numerous levels. And I had even asked the question of, you know, there's generally when I was uh, initially starting to read people, I was confronted with a lot of readings that tended to be geared more towards people that had severe levels of dysfunction in their life. Uh, generally people that were abused I was very, very clear in being able to, um, to, to read them. And one of the things that you mentioned in this first chapter uh, is that you noticed that in your practice that people that are raised in dysfunctional households um, often have extreme or very keen gut instincts or abilities. Uh, so, I mean, with that being said, do you find that people that have more dysfunction tend to have more of those abilities or is it just you know, people that are experiencing dysfunction have those abilities? Is there like a, a level at which they actually continue to become more keen based on their level of dysfunction? Right. What and it, again, it's really a protective device as a child. You know, you have to be able to read a volatile parent to know, you know, am I got it in one of their moods? Do I have to make myself invisible? How can I diffuse the situation? So it makes you almost become an extreme empath to be able to register a particular mood that someone's in. It's even when we have a teacher that doesn't like us as a child, and that happens. All of us had teachers that really were gunning for us at one time or another. We've also had teachers that have loved us and been their pet. But when you have a teacher that doesn't particularly like you, you have to be able to read that teacher's mood, uh, make sure you diffuse the situation, make sure you say the right things so that the teacher doesn't all of a sudden go after you or the parent doesn't go after you. So I think, you know, in my practice, I've seen a lot of people who are psychic. They seem to have had a lot of dysfunction in their earlier part of their life. Maybe they didn't realize it was psychic ability right. at all, but it's their gut telling them get out of the situation. Um, and if you live in a day-to-day -day basis with that, there's always a level of fight or flight that a child experiences and they know when they have to have that fight or flight instinct happen or they can just relax. But it's it's definitely what I've seen in my own self that I learned to read people's moods very quickly, very easily. That I ascertained it almost in computer speed, you know, it just instant like lightning. I could tell someone's energy level, someone's, you know, level of dysfunction. And it's how you learn to diffuse a situation. If you're in a situation with a stranger who looks like they're going to explode, you can either make that person go crazy on you or you could find the words or how to stop that so you don't get a gun in your head from a stranger who is going nuts. You know, it's learning how to read how dangerous a person or a situation could be. But dysfunction is definitely a good way to hone that when you're young. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, you would, you hope that the average person has, you know, a level of normal dysfunction. And then you have obviously, <laughs> um, you know, you have those unfortunate circumstances where there's people that are just living in constant chaos and dysfunction. So there's, you know, there's, there's that too. And I, I would say that, you know, any normal household has normal dysfunction. I think that that's just a part of it growing up. Right. Uh, so, you know, and it's one of the, one of the things that you make note of too, is that, you know, generally when people experience like very dark situations where, you know, their, their faith is being questioned, they either, you know, they revert to, or they default to one or one or two, um, you know, settings, they either reach for that higher power and they really throw all of, right. the, of their faith in, in God or, or a, a spiritual higher power, or they totally reject any type of, um, any type of spirit, any type of relationship with God. Uh, and you had made, made mention to that as well. And, and I, I, I related to that too, because I remember when I, I was fairly young, I, I mean, I was still an adult. I think I was 20 years old and my grandfather had died and I, and I watched him sit in the hospital bed for like six months 
Uh, and it was just, it was just awful. Like one thing after another went wrong. And I just was like, if, if, if there is such a thing as God, then why are they allowing this to happen? Um, you know, and obviously years down the road, you know, you, you reflect and you think, and, uh, you know, to make a long story short, my grandfather died at five 30 in the morning on September 11th, 2001. And when he died, um, it set off a chain of events that allowed my brother to not go into work that day. He was a, um, a detective in the emergency service in the NYPD and he came home and because he came home, he survived because his unit that went into the world trade center did not make it out. Now you can see how your grandfather in synchronicity, knowing what was going to be happening a few hours from now said, God, you take me right now and save my grandson. He sure did. That is an example. And, you know, in the book, I list a couple, you know, one of some of those situations where people had similar things, but your grandfather knew he was going to be going, he was going to be going for a long time when his guides told him what was going, going to happen he used his death to happen at that moment and save something. So these are things that you could say, well, that's a coincidence, but that's synchronicity. That spirit saving our life. That's what we talk about. There must be someone watching over us. This is a dangerous place. And it's, right there is a perfect example of, of spirit at work. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it was, it was pretty amazing. Uh, you know, and like I said, for a while, it took me, you know, it took me some time to wrap my head around it, but you know, eventually you, 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 hopefully you find your way back, which I did. Um, you know, and I, and I think that, um, you know, I'm very thankful for, for that. Um, and you know, again, as we, and, and as we move through this, through this book, you know, we, and you've talked a lot about this with, um, you know, being a, a children's entertainer as, as a young, you know, <laughs> a younger person. And it's, it aligns a lot with what I've done too, because as, as a, um, as a DJ, you know, I, I did a lot of parties and did a lot of, you know, uh, those types of, you know, parties for young children and having to act silly and, and putting on being a character. And then also like being a professional wrestler where I literally was a different character. I was portraying <laughs> myself as somebody else or a heightened version of myself. Um, so it, it really like it, it again, for me, it was very much like, along the same lines as like the path that I had traveled. And, and I really enjoyed that particular portion of it. And you had made mention too, that, you know, just your interactions with children, like really is what also kind of, um, I guess you realized how intuitive real children really are as well oh, exactly. at that time. Exactly. And it was sort it was one of the things that made me believe in reincarnation to be one of the people that could entertain a one or two or three-year-olds. Most people cannot entertain one-year-olds, okay? And after doing thousands and thousands of children, I began to realize there has to be reincarnation. That two-year-old could not learn that much manipulation in two years on the planet, how they manipulated their parents, the situation, how one child was so good, one is so violent at two years old, and knowing the parents who were very good parents, how do they have this child that's out of control? So it made me really believe in reincarnation. And one of the funny things that would happen is I would do this little puppet show for one-year-olds. And at the end of it, I would play um, It's a Wonderful Life, okay, Um, by uh, Louis Armstrong all the time. You know, that would be uh, what a wonderful life, what a wonderful world I would play. And the children would all lay down on the floor, the one-year-olds, during that whole song, just lay down and chill out as if they heard that song in a recent past life, as if it resonated with them. And if they hadn't heard it, all they did was follow that pack that relaxed. But the point was they just laid there and listened to that song. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That really is amazing. You know, and I, and I do find um, I've always like been very, uh, you know, very attached to children. I, you know, always wanted to be a dad, loved being around kids. Obviously. I mean, I'm a, I'm a teacher. Um, and it's, it's something that I've really enjoyed. I always felt like I was able to connect with, um, children on any level, whether it's a kindergarten student or a senior, somebody who's living on the, you know, the wealthier side of the tracks or a student that is literally, um, you know, taking granola bars for me because they haven't eaten in three days. Um, so, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it, I, I've, I've, I've run the gamut. So it's, um, it's definitely, 
it's something that I've, I can relate to. And, uh, you know, and we've, we've been on similar, you know, our, our journeys have been similar in that, uh, in that respect. And I remember when I had first come to you and speaking to you about, you know, what was happening to me, uh, because I didn't know what, what was going on. Um, and we had talked after I had a reading with you, uh, many, many years ago, it's over 10 years ago now. Um, you know, one of the things you had suggested was to, to pick up the, the rider weight, uh, tarot cards, and uh, to right. use it as a manipulative to kind of, you know, to create that friction with, with the spirit world. Uh, and you talk about that here and you talk about how you, you know, you talked about using that and kind of almost the exact same way I remember describing it to you. Cause I, I read the book cover to cover, just like you <laughs> described, like what each card meant and I kind of got it, but didn't really get it. And no. then I just was like, okay, so I'm going to lay these cards out and I'm going to read them as I see them. And I remember you telling me in an email, that's exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And, and I, and I got that. And you talked a lot about that here, which um, was kind of cool to, to see as well. And the universe knows what you think the cards mean. So, you know, when I'm doing a reading and someone tells me, oh, you got the towel card and they're telling me what it means. I'm like, no, that's what it means to you. What the, but spirit is using what it means to me right. to, to do this reading. So it, and it has a million different meanings, each card. And again, depending upon a lot of different circumstances, that's why when, you know, I talk about in the book, when you try to come here without your wedding ring on, you want to trick me to, can I know if you're married? Like it isn't a parlor game here. If you're going to pay me, you know, a hundred bucks for me to tell you you're married and have two kids, I didn't tell you anything you didn't know. Okay. Right. My job is to tell you what you don't know about what you think, you know. Okay. And my job is also, if, if you are married, the cards mean something different than if you're not married. Right. So knowing that piece of information can really determine if I'm going to really read you accurately or not. So I, if anything, my another main reason in writing that book is to dispel the myths that psychics know everything, that you're supposed to not say anything, they're supposed to see what they say, that you're not supposed to cooperate, that you're not supposed to reveal anything. It's ridiculous. Right. It, I- it's ridiculous. I remember you telling me too, like if somebody comes to you and says, you know, what color gum wrapper do I have in my pocket and which pocket is it? And it's like, yeah, here's your money back. You can leave. You can leave because it's, yeah. it's a waste of my time. I mean, you can use your psychic ability for that, but what purpose is that? What, what for, if I'm not a circus act, a carnival act trying to prove that I'm psychic. And, you know, I understand what people can be skeptical and there's a lot of bad in every field. There's a lot of, you know, let's throw the, you know, the, the dart across the board in every field. There's a lot of crooks and bad people and not knowledgeable people in every field. And I can understand why you might feel a need to test a psychic, but there's a point where I've been doing this 25 years, Google my name. There's nothing bad about it. You know, if someone's recommended you No, they must know I have some psychic ability. They wouldn't recommend me. Of course. You know I mean, but there's a point where I feel I've earned the right to not have to audition for every single person to be tested for every, because it's too draining for me at this point. And I would really prefer those people to go elsewhere. Because yeah. I don't, I, you know, at this stage in my life, I could be retired. I don't need to work. Right. So if I'm working a 50 or 60 hour work week, I don't have to do that anymore. I, I do it because I think I have a gift that people need and it helps people. But to just, my job is not to prove that psychics, you know, psychic ability exists, the afterlife exists. I don't feel that that's my job. I don't want it to be my job. If you don't want to believe, don't believe. But right. I don't want to be the one who has to try to prove it to everybody. Yeah, it's not it, fun. It's not fun at all. No, and it, and it's actually extremely draining. It's an extra exactly. draining the energy that it takes to do that. Uh, and I've tried. People have done that to me, and I've I've done it, and I've slept for hours because of just the the amount of energy that it takes to do that. It's out of control. And uh, that's the thing. We read. I read too many people a day to have that done to me. Right. You know, it just drain. It's just so draining. So, um, you know, again, I state in the book: if someone doesn't believe, don't don't send them to me to make them a believer, please. Right. Like, gift them with a massage or a d- dinner <laughs> somewhere. You know, don't gift them with me. Thank you. Right. Right. And it's yeah. funny too because I, I one part of the book that I chuckled at was where you talked about 
um, you know, after you had done a lot of research on the on the tarot deck, uh, the Rider Waite deck, that you went to a bar mitzvah dressed in the quintessential fortune teller costume uh, for entertainment purposes only. You were ready to read them, and then you had mentioned that you felt like Oda Mae Brown and the fake <laughs> psychic and uh, Whoopi Goldberg portrayed in the uh, 1990 film uh, Ghost, which was actually really funny because that's sometimes what people think when you hear the word psychic. <laughs> and we talked about this off the air. You know, people know that word psychic because they associate that with whether it's mainstream or whether it's carny or whether it's the movie ghost but you know there's there's other names for it like you had mentioned there's there's mystics there's intuitives all of them with generally the same meaning um uh, but you know sometimes when people hear that that those terms they think of Otome brown and, and ghost <laughs> so it's pretty funny uh you know so the chapters end up with and i love this part too they end up with either like a, a quiz or like the psychic hints that you provide um, you know, and, and I love this piece of it because it really ties the chapter together. It provides the ability for people to not only provide like a self-assessment, but like a self-reflection and to sort of start to think about like, are you experiencing these things? Have you tried these things? And it really puts things into perspective for people. And, you know, and I really love it. So, you know, the, the takeaways for me in this, in this first chapter was, you know, your amazing journey. Like it's, you know, it's a privilege for me to know you the way that I know you for, for over a decade now, but it really, the people that buy this book are going to be able to see that. And it really just bounces off the page. And it's, it's so honest. It's, it's so real. Um, but you also can see the skepticism in your, in your diction and your word <laughs> choice. And, and I love that because that's what makes it real because people are, you know, we talk about all the time, like, you know, how people feel that there is just a, there's a, there's a level of, you know, I don't know, meh when it comes to psychics, like they don't really right. know what to believe, what not to believe. And there's bad in every field, but you, you set the tone of you know saying like, listen, I, I didn't believe this either until I started researching and practicing and, and really honing my skills. And, and I, and I love that. And, and the tone is so friendly and welcoming. Uh, and it, it really does allow people to relate and explore their own psychic possibilities. Uh, so that, that to me was, was a bonus as, as you start um, in this, in this journey, reading this book. Uh, and to be clear that psychics don't know everything. We're not gods. We're right. not superheroes. You know, I don't know everything. You don't expect a doctor to know everything. You don't expect anyone to know everything, but people expect psychics to know everything. And remember, it's a free will universe. Even God doesn't know everything that's going to happen. Some spontaneous, stupid thing someone's going to do. Okay. Right. You know, so don't think that psychics are, you know, superheroes. We just are more attuned at reading signals and signs and, and hearing a little bit more than the average person. And we work on it and hone that skill right. over a period of time. And I, and obviously by doing that, you, you develop a reputation. And I know that, you know, you have, I think you mentioned it actually multiple times in this book that you don't solicit clients. Like you don't no, ask people to, you know, come, come with me. I'll, and re- let me read you. Like you don't <laughs> do that. Um, so how did, you know, for people that are, that may feel that this is the the path in their direction, you know, how did you, how did you start, you know, kind of developing that clientele and, and develop such a robust clientele over these years? Well, I was doing it at first at psychic parties, like for like someone would hire me to do a christening or a bar mitzvah. Um, you know, I, I started getting these, uh, like a lot of referrals and from those I would hand out my card and from those events, I would get private clients and from the private clients, um, they would recommend me. So it kind of went really pretty fast word of mouth. Then when Newsday happened to recommend me as one of the best psychic mediums on Long Island, of course that helped it fly and winning the best of contests from Long Island Press helped, but it was mostly just doing a lot of readings. And uh, just building that clientele, you know, one client at a time. And, you know, I still have some of the clients, a a large number of them from 20 and 25 years ago. Wow. I still have them now. It's probably the base of my clientele. I mean, it's amazing how long I've known them. I've known them so long that they had everyone, you know, their parents alive or different people who have now crossed. And I know their parents who died. I have a lot of clients who have died. And now I talk to their family members. So it's been that long wow. a time. And I got a lot from the, when I did a, f- I would do a number. I, I don't think I did more than four of this, but the New York Theosophical Society, I, you know, read, I would do like eight hour readings and, and I would do them for free to help make money for the Theosophical Society in New York City. But I got a lot of clients from there that are still my New York City clients. And, and they, I mean, it's amazing when I think about 
those four free things that I did, I, I got so many clients from it over the years that it's amazing. Wow. So obviously that had to ha- have a real vortex there. Right. Yeah. To have absolutely. me done four times free, which made them, you know, I don't know how much it made them, maybe a thousand dollars each time. Okay. Right. Whatever. But from that, whoever, you know, from that organization, they, they steered me clients. And so it was amazing. So sometimes we need to do some free events, you know, right. different things that help build it. I would do the psychic fairs, which I didn't really like doing because you could sit there all day and do two readings, be sitting there for eight hours, you know, right. so pretty quickly I stopped doing the psychic fairs. It just, I could, I'm not a person that could sit eight hours doing nothing. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't mind if you, you know, you gave me like the Theosophils. I just read people say straight through for eight hours. That was fine. Right. But to, but to sit there for me, I, I was jumping out of my skin to sit there for eight hours and doing nothing. Yeah. I don't blame you. I, I would be the same way. Um, I, I have not done any, any of those. I've, I've stuck to referrals and, you know, getting people that, um, you know, whether it's through phone, through FaceTime, through, you know, one-on-one in person, you know, all, all referrals, you know, and I, I haven't done that just yet, but, um, you know, as, as we move on through the book and, and then the chapter two, I kind of jumped out at me because this, this whole podcast really was, um, was really started because of obviously the pandemic, but, you know, as I had been probably three years deep into a, you know, my midlife crisis, you know, we had had done, uh, you know, I I opened up to the next page and then on page 25, I see, you know, full blown midlife crisis unleashes my psychic abilities. Um, and, and I believe that I, I went through my midlife crisis quite early, but, um, I, I find, I found it very, very, you know, fascinating and, you know, obviously we're, we won't be able to go super in depth on the chapter because obviously we, we would, we would do 10 podcasts on this book alone. But one of the things that we've already done is we have done a podcast on midlife crisis. So I would encourage everybody who's listening to this to go back and, and, you know, re-listen to that podcast, because it does speak a lot about the things that uh, Cindy mentions in this chapter. But uh, you know, again, and, and one of the, the, patterns and themes that run through this chapter as well as the podcast that we did was you had made mention of one, you know, one very important line is, is that you were understanding that you were going through something like this because you kept thinking to yourself that you had like this deep inner knowing that there has to be more to life than this. And and I really find that that I must've said that to myself 10,000 times in, in the course yeah. of a month uh, when I was going through, when I was really, really heavy into um, my midlife crisis. And, and I, I do believe that that is the key to identifying whether or not you are in a midlife, <laughs> midlife crisis. Because if you're saying that to yourself and something's not, something's not clicking, you know? And if on the surface, everything looks like it's pretty good. What, what is, why am I saying there has to be more to life than this? Right. And I think that that, um, that really was something that, uh, that really resonated. And I'm, and I'm sure once people, you know, read the book and, and obviously listen to that episode of the podcast, you know, I think that uh, I, I think they'll be able to kind of identify or at least see, um, you know, what we're talking about. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, you also speak about, you know, how it affected your, your daughter and how it was also, you know, one of those like coming to Jesus moments when you, when you had a, uh, I don't want to say an altercation, but you, there was a, there was a conflict between you and your daughter daughter. And I, I, I want to read a portion of this because I really feel like this was, um, this was pretty, pretty amazing. So you had you made mention that, um, you know, that you want your wake up call came one cold January morning in 1995 when your daughter, Shana was 15 years old. You went into her bedroom to wake her and saying that you need to get up and go to school. Um, she woke up, she woke with a start, looked at at you and said, why mom? So I can study hard, look pretty and do everything right and grow up to hate my life the way you hate yours. And you wrote that those words chilled you to the bone and you thought that you were hiding your unhappiness, but obviously you weren't. Uh, you hadn't spoken to God in almost two decades, but you got on your knees that morning and asked, what am I teaching my daughter? She's right. I'm showing her that you have to do everything the way you're supposed to, but you're not. Sh- you were not showing her that you were doing the right thing that doing the right thing makes you happy and that you said to God that you needed a miracle. Um, I highlighted that as one of the the portions uh, of this book that I was, I was amazed by because, you know, again, it sometimes, and I find this, this resonates because 
you know, generally your children humble you, you know, <laughs> oh, for sure. you know however, however, you know, amazing <laughs> you think you are, they'll, they'll pull you right down and they'll tell you exactly where you need to be. Um, but it was so, and I've met, obviously I've met Shanna. So I totally see her. Like, this is like something that does not shock me. Uh, cause she's, uh, she's brilliant and she's so smart. And I think that this was so amazing that it was, you know, your child. That and remember this. she's having her teen, you know, teen angst. It parallels oftentimes your own midlife crisis. So, you know, teenagers tend to think they know everything. And meanwhile, midlife crisis is you don't know anything. So it's this big contradiction going on. And also like when we were talking earlier about parents, unfortunately, we're young when we have our children. And if we haven't healed all our issues, and unfortunately, that's what happens. It takes midlife crisis to heal all your issues, by the way, or to start healing them you know, your child is raised in, in dysfunction, not because you want them to be, but because you haven't healed all your own issues yet. Right. And you're doing the best you can, but you're a very flawed human being who, and you're in your own lost places at times. And I think it's something we don't realize with our parents that, you know, we think of them as gods or they should know all the answers, they should have them. But we don't think of them as humans who are struggling, right. you know, through their own issues you know, at a particular time, but it was a great wake up call for me because I realized I was fooling no one. Right. And then you, you, you know, you shortly thereafter, you make mention to like, you know, you remember thinking, how could I have lived this long and know nothing? <laughs> and, and I made that, and I made a comment on that, like, this has to resonate with people because, you know, when you get to that point and like you had said, you may, you may look or present yourself one way on the surface inside, you're not, you're just not the person you think that you should be. And I think that this people must think this, um, especially during this particular point of their life, if they're going through some type of midlife crisis, they, they have to be thinking this way. They have to be because it, it, like I said, when I when I read this, I was like, oh my gosh, like that's that's so true. And someone will wake us up, whether it's our child or even a stranger, just says something that just resonates with truth that you need to hear. And it's realizing that from those moments, we have to, you know, ask for a miracle. And all you have to do is, you know, sometimes if you're not sure where you want to go in your life, say to God, you need a miracle and watch that begin to happen. Right. Yeah. It's uh, and, and you talk about this again, too, with the synchronicity as, you know, a few weeks after you had, you know, prayed to God for a miracle you stumbled upon that life-changing book, um, A Course in Miracles. And and we, again, we had done um, a podcast on that with uh, Reverend Anthony Bopp and your daughter, Shana Breath, who uh, they did a great job. And, and I encourage people to listen to that as well. And, and really, that was one of the things that helped guide you as well. Uh, and as synchronicity would have it, helped you kind of become, I guess you could say, connected with that particular book. And and that's a book channeled uh, by Jesus to a psychiatrist, you know, um, and it's interesting because that after that is when I began to have my own experiences with channeling um, Jesus and, and speaking to him. So it was a pretty life changing moment there in my life for someone who had not spoken to God for 20 years. And suddenly I start channeling Jesus. That was pretty, it was, you know. I mean, it's one thing if you've been praying your whole life in church and, and really believing in this, that Jesus would come to you. For someone like me, it was like, why are you coming to me? Right. You know, it's like, <laughs> of all people, why are you picking on me? Right. No, 100%. Uh, you know, and again, this this particular, you know, this particular chapter kind of goes through that that whole idea of really discovering um your your connection with with Jesus and with God and 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 kind of making that um, that higher power connection and I and I think that you even make the the reference to like after all the experiences that you were having all the channeling that you were having um, you kept telling yourself that if you hadn't gone nuts by now you probably never would um, which I, I literally on the side I wrote lol because that like, kind of made me laugh well that's the only thing is I was like no if, if I hadn't gone nuts it it, it would have happened long ago so I have to trust that this is not going nuts I'm not going crazy I'm going sane you know right. so. And it, and sometimes when I just say that to a client, you're not going crazy, you're going sane. It's such a liberating moment for them. Right. Like it, it's crazy to, to go about your life. Like everything's normal when it's not, that's crazy. 
Right. You know, to look like everything's great. You know, people ask you how you are. You say you're fine and you're midwife. You're you're in the middle of a midlife crisis and you're not functioning. I mean, that's crazy. No, it's true. It's true. And, And, you know, and part of, you know, what, what we're talking about here too is, is obviously opening up your mind, your body, your soul to spirit, to give you those abilities to, you know, connect in that way. You know, you talk a little bit about what mediumship is, which again was, uh, you know, another topic in our, in our podcast. So again, I, I encourage everybody who, um, who just starts to listen to us to go back and start at episode one uh, and, and kind of go through it. Cause it really does. It, it kind of plays through like a book where you are able to kind of, <laughs> you know, like, you know, you build on it. Like, just like right. we did, like, you know, with the first episode, I, you know, I sound like a kid living in his parents' basement or, you know, playing in a band in his garage. Um, you know, and now I feel like I, I kind of got the, you know, the, got the knack of it. Um, so, you know, it's, it's something that again, you know, you talk a lot about receiving messages in your dreams, which is really fascinating and how the dead commune, um, to us through energy and through love. Uh, you mentioned about telepathy, uh, which is also a part of this, uh, this book, uh, and this chapter. Um, and one of the things that I remember, like I made notes during the course of, um, like the book when it came to synchronicity, because when I first came across the word, I never really, I never, I've heard of, you know, I've heard of it, but I never really knew what it was. So of course I pull out my phone and I Google it and, and I was like, oh, this is, this is very interesting. So as I kept reading, I got to one point where I was just about to stop reading and then text you. And as I kept, um, because what was happening is, is as I was reading, I was getting messages and I was getting, things were happening to me um, as I was just going through this, like, like a, like a, like a manual, like a psychic training guide. And as I was saying to myself, I feel like I'm getting messages as I'm reading this, it came across on the book. As you read this book, you will likely find yourself having similar psychic experiences. It's the universe's way of letting you know that opening your psychic vortex is a positive thing. And that you will be guided every step of the way. And I made a note on the side of the page. You know, I was going to text you at the very moment before I read this. Um, so it, it happened throughout the entire book. Uh, and, and it really was just, uh, again, the, the, the seminar part of this, which was, you know, even like telepathic exercises to help sharpen your skills. Um, you know, these particular things I found very, very helpful because I tried to do them uh, you know, sometimes I was reading them in a noisy room. Sometimes I was at work. Um, you know, sometimes I was able to really focus in and, and do these exercises. But I can tell you, and you know, take it for what it's worth for the people that are listening. You know, it's it's. I'm not just feeding a line here. It really did happen because all of the emails and texts I sent you, like I couldn't believe some of the things that were happening. Um, <laughs> people I hadn't talked to in years, um, who I had said in in one of the moments that I was going through this 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 book and I just wish they would call me and sure enough, they butt dialed me and left a voicemail. So I, I, I heard, I heard the entire conversation this person was having and I hadn't talked to them in years. Um, so it was just, it was just incredible. Uh, and even, even my family, when I was telling them were, were blown away. Um, you know, so, so once again, like, you know, the takeaways for this particular chapter too, is just, it was just really another eye opening journey of how to open to spirit. Uh, and it, you know, you come to realize that, you know, you may appear one way to an individual, uh, but their journey can tell a much different story. Um, so, you know, it's, it's something that I, I you know, people that are having, you know, that are struggling with, whether it's, you know, um, dark moments in their life, midlife crisis, uh, all of these things that you mention, not only that you personally went through, but I'm sure the people that are reading this book are going through, it really does provide uh, a great way to start to channel those negative energies into positive energies, connect you with spirit and really just, um, open up a whole new pathway to, um, to happiness. And, and I just, I find this, this is a really great first couple of chapters of the book. And obviously we can go on for hours and hours about it, but, um, you know, at this point of the book, Cindy, what were, what were you thinking as you're moving on to like the next, next phase of this book? Well, I felt like the first part of it had to explain who I am and how I, you know, became who I was. And then I wanted to get more into some readings um, so that people could have an understanding. I, I think sometimes they think psychics 
I don't know, maybe I think it's an easy job. Maybe we're trying to help someone locate where they're lost, uh, you know, necklace. They don't realize that it's really very deep involved readings, each one, you know, dealing with a different topic that, so I wanted people to see the spectrum of the kinds of readings that I do, whether it's someone to heal from their childhood, someone from the other side sharing something that could help heal, whether it's uh, someone who dies unexpectedly and and people need closure, Um, if it's a suicide and people are plagued with guilt over that, to see that a lot of the readings that we do are really very deep readings, uh, you know, very involved, very, you know, could, could really affect the psychic especially if you don't learn that it's not your pain, it's their pain and that you're a messenger and your job is to do, deliver messages. I want them to see the the depth of what a lot of psychics, you know, what they deal with. Agreed. And and I, one of the things that, and, and you just really mentioned it is like, I loved the format uh, and the formats. It was, you know, you giving us a lot about you and who you are and your journey and then giving your life experience, but then also providing the accounts of your readings and real life readings that you've done with people to sort of, you know, provide the evidence, so to speak, as to what you're, you were experiencing and what these people were experiencing. And then towards the end, like you were giving, you know, like these quizzes or these hints um, to help people really identify, uh, you know, if they were experiencing similar things and how they could hone that. So, uh, you know, I really love the format and it, and it kind of sticks true to the entire, to the entire book. And I, and I loved it because it was, not only is it an easy read, but it's it's it really is it's a fun it's a fun read, it's it's exciting. Some of the 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 stories that you tell, I mean, are mind boggling. Like you had just said, they're very deep and they're very heavy. I mean, it blew my mind on on a number of occasions. So it's um it really was just you know, and we're like I said, we're not even scratching the surface. Like you know, it, but it, it, this is this is a great way to I think you know kind of give people a little bit of a teaser. I hope they go out and buy your book. And Cindy, can you tell everybody where they could get your book? Okay. They could get it on via my website. If you go to grantmeahigherlove.com, you can click on the link, which will take you to Amazon, or you could go to Amazon, you know, put confessions of reluctant long Island psychic, uh, Cindy Sansom Braff. It should come up. Sometimes you have to go to the book section, but I think it's starting to pop up in the regular and, you know, of course, I have the, you, when you come for reading, you could purchase them uh, from me as well. And I, I wanted to, you know, thank you for saying uh, that you like the format. And I was going to ask you a question because you are an educator. You do have a doctorate in education. You are a teacher. Um, I wanted to ask if the psychic seminar part was written in a way that was teaching, that people could learn from, because that was the whole thing as well. You said you liked the format of it and I was glad to hear that, but I wanted to hear you as an educator do that. Did I do a good job teaching? <laughs> I, 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 do. I want to hear from my teacher. Yeah, And, I, and I'm not blowing smoke because I, I, I think I've learned to be pretty forthcoming and, and not tell, you know, be completely honest. And, and I, I really did like uh, the way that you, that you wrote that because I think you did a great job. And I, and I purposely tried to do most of the lessons because I wanted to be able to say, okay, well, let me, let me see if, if, it, if it's being explained properly and, and the way that she wants people to do it, let me see, let me try them. And as I did them and as I tried them, I was, again, I was able to channel very clearly things that were coming to me. So that was number one. I also believe that a lot of, um, the way you structured these, these lessons, so to speak, were a lot, a lot geared towards like mindfulness and meditation. And I think a lot of people are familiar with that. So when they start to see that, Oh, this is kind of like, you know, you're, we're getting into like a meditative state in order to, you know, to do this. I think people like are able to understand, wrap their head around it. And they're very more, much more likely to, to try it and do it. And I, and I felt that it was, it was very, very simple to do. The steps were very clear uh, some obviously longer than others, but I think for the most part, it was great. And I do believe that's going to be a major takeaway for people that are, you know, you know, high, strong, intense personalities that are looking for something to mm-hmm. just kind of chill them out, especially during a read. A lot of people read because they, they want to relax. Like that's their, right. that's their downtime. Uh, that's why I, I, I couldn't put the book down. I really enjoyed it. And I, and I did the lessons and I did find that 
it was very relaxing. And, and I, I do encourage people to not just read through it. I do encourage them to do them as well and take the time to really um, enjoy the book because it, it really is. It, it is a seminar and, it, and it's something that's going to help people uh, from, from, like I said, from cover to cover, really identify with, with who they want to be. And that was the whole point. It's about you opening your psychic ability and to educate you what it means to be a psychic or what that actually is and what to expect, what not to expect. And to, you know, to be realistic about what it means for a person to be a psychic. Right. No, I, I think it did. I think it, I, I think you, you get an A plus for that. Thank you. That I wanted, I wanted my A plus from yeah. my, my professor, Gary. Over here. Yes. Okay. Now I, now I feel good about it. Okay. Now you can buy the book. Now I can, now now I feel like that's great, but um, you know in you know in our next uh, beginning of our year 2022, the master builder number, we'll go a little bit more into like this the second half of the book, which talks more about like life between lives and uh, the afterlife and th- and things like that, past lives. I think that will be interesting for the people to hear too. Awesome. Yeah. And I, and I, again, I do encourage people to then, you know, in the meantime, go back and start listening to the, the beginning of our podcast and all the episodes, because all of these topics are really uh, what we've done, you know, on, on the podcast and, and it will help kind of give you a little bit of a platform as you jump into this book. Not that you need it. There's no prerequisite. Um, but it does, it does help just with a complete overall picture and understanding and, it, and it, it'll, this this book will enrich your experience, and I really do believe that you'll you'll be able to uh, really get a tremendous amount out of it. So, um, Cindy, once again, thank you uh, so much for your time and you know your commitment to this to this journey to helping others spiritually, uh, and obviously to you know uh, just enriching you know my experience in my life as well. Uh, I hope that uh, 2022 brings you everything that you could you know hope and wish for. And, and I thank you for your friendship. Thank you so much. And happy new year to everybody. Take it easy, everyone. It's amazing. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. Now. We want to hear from you, our listeners. If you have a topic or a question or would like to be a guest on Soul Matters Podcast with Cindy and Dr. Gary, please email us at soulmatterspodcast at gmail.com.